Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. We're going to continue our study of Jonah. And um, so the message is, I titled it after an old song. So PD says I'm old. Uh, and he's getting younger, I'm getting older. But there, if you guys remember a song back in the day by Hezekiah Walker, it's called The God of a Second Chance. You guys yeah, remember that yeah, song? Yeah. <laughs> we used to sing it all the time as, in the youth choir. I remember as a little boy singing this song. We only sang Hezekiah Walker song as a, as a, um, in, the youth, in the youth choir. But now, um, so now, now that's old song. That's 30 years ago now, probably, right? So we're going to talk about The God of a Second Chance. Y'all with me? Yeah. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you. And I thank you for this opportunity to speak before your people. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Father. Thank you that you are, um, that you have open hearts and open ears to hear from you. I thank you for a, a lasting uh, blessing over your people. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So as a, as a child, I wasn't a, I wasn't a bad, I wasn't a bad child, but I was a, what they're called a mischievous child, or as my West Indian parents would say, a miserable child. You guys know what miserable means? <laughs> so miserable means not bad, but you always step, step over the line a little bit and try to do a little, you know, try to uh, push the boundaries a little bit. I remember one time my dad, I, I was playing in school. I fell off the monkey bars. And my dad's like, do not go on the monkey bars again. Stay off the monkey bars. So what do I do as a, you know, as a great kid? I, next day I went to, back to the monkey bars. So I climbed up the monkey bars. I think somebody was playing. I don't remember. It was, it was, I think I might, I might have been five or six. I got hit. Fell off the monkey bars. I still have this car to this day. So my dad was a police officer at the time. So he comes in his squad car with his partner. Had to come off work, pick me up from the, from the nurse. I go to the back of the squad car. And he takes me home. What were you, why were you on the monkey bars? You know, that's the type of kid that I was. Um, always trying to do a little extra. And then one time in particular, um, I'm dating myself again. You guys remember a Rector set? Anybody ever remember these Rector set? So. This is the one toy that I remember I wanted so bad. I might have been in third grade. I wanted this erector set so bad. I'm like, God, I'm like, Mom, I need this erector set. Probably watching Saturday morning cartoons, this erector set commercial comes on. So basically, erector set is like this mechanical thing. You, bu- you build it together. You can put batteries in it and make cars and make all these different things out of metal, right? And I was like, oh, I'm like, that's the toy I want. I want it. Every day, I'm like, Mom, I want this toy. I want this toy. I want this toy. Um, and in third grade, uh, my son just finished third grade, but if you know anything about third graders, and somebody, some people taught third, teach third grade in here, um, what I now realize, I was probably going through a little bit of an identity crisis, right? Trying to figure out how do I make friends, trying to see, all right, in second grade, I was a smart kid, but nobody wanted to be my friend. So in third grade, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be the bad kid. Because <laughs> he's like, the bad kid is, is getting all the friends, right? So I told him, I, and so me being the class clown and doing all this stuff, it started reflecting in my marking period, right? So in my, in, my, in my report card. So report card comes out right before Christmas break. I don't know who thought about that at that time, but they did. <laughs> they thought about this. It comes out right before Christmas break. So my report card reflected my identity crisis at the time. So of course my parents are like, as a good parents they are, probably got, I don't know if I got a spank or anything, but definitely got in trouble, got punishment, Winter, winter break was a boring winter break at this point. Um, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't play video games, couldn't do anything. 
So I'm like, man, I, like, the only thing I was thinking at the time, I ruined my erector set. I can't get the erector set now because I just blew it by this, by this, by getting bad grades and doing bad in school. Um, so, so Christmas morning comes and open up all the gifts. I probably, I don't remember what I got. Probably some toy, some probably some clothes or something to go back to school. Um, nothing, nothing significant. Have breakfast, all that stuff, and then. Um, and this erector set wasn't cheap at the time. I don't remember what it was. And we, we were in a one-bedroom apartment in Forest, New Jersey. It wasn't, it wasn't the hood, but it wasn't the lap of luxury, right? <laughs> we, wasn't, we weren't staying in these apartment buildings that they're building now. So my, so my mom's like, oh, clean, go get something out of the bedroom or something like that. And then I go in the bedroom, and what's there? The erector set. I'm like, man, <laughs> they got me the erector set. In spite of, I know I didn't deserve that erector set, but my parents got me that erector set. And... I want to tell you that the story ended greatly. I don't know. I don't think third grade ended greatly, but fourth grade was good, right? We had great fourth grade. Fourth grade was, was wonderful. So it, it's fascinating how my parents in that time gave me a second chance, right? And for out of all of the Christmas gifts that I remember that I got as a kid, for some reason, I remember this erector set. For this particular reason, I got, a, I got something that I didn't deserve. I don't remember anything. I mean, one day, one year, I got Crash Bandicoot. That's the only other, <laughs> the only other gift that I remember as a kid. But other than that, I don't remember any other gifts that I got. So, as a parent, as a note to, to as note to parents, don't stretch the gifts because <laughs> they go remember it anyway, right? Right. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the uh, message, right? <laughs> so, um, so it's fascinating how second chances have the power to captivate our hearts. So know that we're not defined by our shortcomings or by, uh, by our lack, but we are defined by the emerited grace that is given to us by the second chance. So in, in, as we're going to go through Jonah chapter 3, we're going to see that Jonah's story is a, is a reminder that regardless how far we strayed or how dire our circumstances are, God's redemptive love is ever ready to rescue us. So in the first part, we're going to see how God grants Jonah a second chance, and God grants Jonah a second chance to, uh, and, and a, a, a second chance, and grants Jonah mercy to follow in the plan of God that He has for his life. And then we'll also see how Jonah, how God grants the people of Nineveh a second chance and extends mercy to reconcile God's justice to um, towards the people of, Nona, of Nineveh. Amen? Amen. So as uh, Brother uh, Kevin eloquently. Uh, preached a couple weeks ago about Jonah chapter 1. Everybody remember the story of Jonah? So God says, Jonah, go to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah, for multiples of reasons, says, no, I don't want to go, right? I I don't like those people. Those people don't need salvation. You should actually destroy those people. I really don't want to go. So Jonah starts running away from the call of God. He ends up on a ship, and the ship, and God shakes the, God sends a storm, the ship starts, uh, the, the, the ship starts shaking. The people are like, what? Why is the ship shaking? Why are we, we're about to die. And Jonah's like, all right, it's me. I know why the ship is shaking. So they threw Jonah off the boat. And now Jonah ends up in the water and gets swallowed by a big fish. Man, so let, let's, let's start off in chapter, and then we'll continue the story in chapter 2. So it says, I'll read the whole thing. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All the waves and your billows passed over me. 
Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The water closed in over me to take my life. The steep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought upon my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast love. But I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Amen. So here we see we serve a prayer answering God, right? Jonah in his dire situation in the belly of the beast, and I don't know, in the belly of the fish, and I don't know if you guys ever fished before or cut a fish or, or opened to clean the fish, a fillet of fish or ate a fillet of fish. What, if you haven't seen a fish, it, it, it is is disgusting, right? And it smells bad. It's gross. If you open and especially a big fish, right? If you have a fish large enough to eat Jonah, to swallow Jonah, now you're talking about it has carcasses of other fish inside the belly. So it's a very disgusting place. Sorry, kids. <laughs> uh, I don't want to discuss the kids. But, <laughs> but um, so Jonah's in this dire place. But in, and he cries out to God and God answers his prayer at the end of the, at the, end of the chapter and spits him out and, and delivers him out onto dry land. But here we see that God is using Jonah's, using Jonah's despair to call him into repentance. God is using this situation to allow, um, fulfill, to grant Jonah mercy and to show his power, right? God didn't put Jonah in, this, in, this, in the belly of the fish, right? What put Jonah in the belly of the fish? His disobedience, correct. His disobedience. So a lot of times we say, oh, um, the devil put me here, or the devil got me in this situation. And I will submit that not a lot of times the devil's not putting you in these situations, right? You end up in a situation of despair, in a situation of lack, in a situation of perhaps even sickness or anything like that. A lot of times it comes on because of our disobedience, right? We find ourselves in, in these situations um, because of our dis- disobedience. God tells us, hey, don't take that opportunity. But you're like, no, I need to take that opportunity. God's like, wait on the next opportunity. You're like, no, I need to take this next opportunity. Don't buy that car. Don't buy that house. Don't do this thing. Wait on me. And we were like, in, in, in our um, enthusiasm, we overstep the will of God and we go and do our own thing, right? Um, it could be, so God, and we can end the sermon there, but we got like two hours left, right? Y'all with me? <laughs> we got two hours left, but we can end there. But God, um, God, in this, in this moment of despair, God answers his prayer. So in our, in our darkest moments, in our deepest moments, God still hears our prayer and God still hears our cries. Amen. Um, whatever situation that we find ourselves, because of, because of, our, it, in because of our disobedience, um, and here we see that the first step that Jonah takes in order to receive his deliverance is to what? Repent. Right. Jonah calls out say, and, and repent in, in chapter two. Um, it's a it's a cry of repentance. Say, God, you are holy. Um, I cried out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried. So God, so Jonah is re- realizing why he's here and how we can get out is for repentance. So it's a lot of times we're waiting. Um, God is is it's waiting to get out of us. If we're feeling stuck or we're feeling in a moment that we 
uh, need, uh, in, stuck in our lives, stuck in a situation, stuck in a certain particular thing. Sometimes it's waiting for God to cry. God is waiting for us to cry out and to repent and to call out for his help. Amen. Amen. So we, a lot of times we try to get ourselves out of a certain situation. But God is like, no, I'm waiting for you to rely on me to get you out of this particular situation. So first step in receiving mercy is to repent. Um, so here we see that Jonah repents. And this scene of him repenting is starting to set the stage of redemption for the city of Nineveh um, in chapter 3. Amen. So in chapter 3, it starts off, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So here in verse 1, we see the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Somebody say second time. Second time. Right. So Jonah, so God is granting Jonah a second opportunity to walk into the will that he has called him to do, walk into his purposes. Um, God didn't have to wait on Jonah, Right. God could have said, okay, I need somebody else. I could have taken somebody else. Jonah's in the belly of the fish right now. Well, I can find somebody else to deliver this message. But a lot of times God is waiting. There's certain people, there's certain things, there's certain communities, certain um, things in in our lives that's waiting on you individually to reach, right? So God is waiting on certain individuals to reach your neighbor, to reach your job, to reach your whoever, your kids. God is waiting on you to move in order to do that. Amen? So not, not a lot of times... Um, God's not. God's waiting on you, and it might take. It might take years. It might take decades. It might take not not centuries, but <laughs> it, might, it might take a long, a very long time for you to realize, repent, and to follow into the will of God. And God's going to be waiting there for you to to fulfill this purpose. Amen. So God, uh, we can end there, but we still got an hour, 50, 59 minutes left. <laughs> All right, so uh, so God, despite Jonah's past failures, despite his disobedience, so Jonah's still smelling like the fish. He's smelling like the sea. He still smells like the inside of the belly of this fish. Smelling disgusting. So as we, God is calling us, despite we still have habits that we still got to work through. We still have um, dispositions that we got to work through. We still got, if anybody ever dealt with people with addiction or have dealt with addiction yourself, there's still certain things that we got to get through. But God is still calling us to walk in his purposes in spite of all of those obstacles. All right. And he knows that he's there and he's there with us throughout this whole journey. Amen. Um, Jonah is extending him to an invitation to participate in his redemptive plan for the city of Nineveh. Right. God allows us to participate in his will, right? That's a blessing that we are able to participate in his will, that we are able to participate in the redemption of people, the redemption of man, and helping our neighbors, helping our communities. That's an opportunity that God grants us. He can move on. He can find somebody else. He can find other people. But God is a blessing to be used by God. Um, And I I would say this. um, A lot of times... Um, if you find yourself stuck or in a place of mess or a place of distress, a lot of times God is waiting on you to heed the call of God, right? In a diff- it could be a different area in your life, but you feel stuck in your career, you feel stuck in your job, you feel stuck in your particular family situation. But God's like, 
I, there might be something that is waiting, that God is waiting on you to step forward into, right? There might be a, a ministry or it might be a business that God is waiting for you to start to help people. There might be um, a, a nonprofit, whatever the, the call is on your particular life that God is waiting on you, but you feel stuck because you're not, you're still in disobedience, all right? You still, you feel, you feel stuck, you're in, dis, you're in perpetual disobedience. Jonah was not, he didn't have one moment of disobedience. It was a continuous heart of disobedience. First, he's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm going to run away. But get in the ship. And I'm like, jump off the ship. And he's, he's keep running from the will of God until he got to the point where he's like, okay, I'm going to walk in obedience. I'm fine, God. I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to do what you say. That's when he found his deliverance. All right. That's when he found his freedom. That's when he found his peace. So. Um, we can end there, but we, how, much, how much time we got? <laughs> Hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, so heed the will of God. Heed the call of God. It could be anywhere, of the, uh, any, any particular area of your life. Don't be in disobedience. Run from disobedience. Run to repentance. Run to the mercy of God. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, and. Chapter 2, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city, three days' journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. So here we see the first thing that we want to note that Jesus, I mean, that God, um, God gives Jonah a message to the people, to the people of Nineveh, to repent for judgment is coming. So even the message itself is a message of grace. The, the threat of judgment is an is a, a extreme uh, showcase of mercy. All right, so I, for, for example, I had a friend in, in college, and we all in college was an interesting time. So, it, we, we would, if if we remember, if, if maybe you weren't like us, but one two two a.m. in the morning, we will order Chinese food, yep. General Tso's <laughs> chicken. We'll order uh, cheese steaks, French fries, all this stuff, yep. right? At two o'clock in the morning, and I had one one friend in particular. He would probably he would order two three o'clock in the morning. He would order cheese steak, Chinese food, cheesecake. A soda, all this stuff, and he would smoke black and miles, right? <laughs> that was his thing. It threw him out of the morning. Like, why are you doing it? It's like, it's not, you know? And so he would do that for all four years of college. So then, and so he graduated college at like 20, 21, 22. He goes to the doctor, and the doctor's like, You're pre diabetic, you have hypertension. <laughs> if you keep this up, you're gonna die. And in, in a matter of a year and a year and a half, he probably lost 150 pounds. That was the one, that's the what that was he, that was what he was waiting on. For him to make a decision, okay, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to die. So here we see the, the same warning. That, so the warning was actually a warning of mercy. If the doctor didn't tell him anything, if he didn't go to the doctor, he'd probably continue on with his bad habits and end up not making it much longer, right? So, and so God is doing the same thing. God is exhibiting the same um, thing to, to Nineveh. By giving them a warning, he's also extending his mercy. So we see God extending his mercy to Jonah um, and then now we see God extending his mercy to the people of Nineveh. So instead of just destroying them, he's giving them a warning, giving them an opportunity to repent and turn from their sins to, to, so they don't experience the wrath of God. Um, 
to so the threat of judgment and wrath is gracious. The threat of judgment and wrath, wrath is gracious. So that they can treat their opposition. So in verse 3 and 4, Jonah finally reaches Nineveh, the very city he initially attempted to escape. And what happens? The city responds. The city says, okay, I hear your voice. And they actually went on a great fast. They, uh, they, went, they went all out and repented and believed in Yahweh and believed in God. And then put their trust in God. And I, I believe, and if in, in Brother Frank and Minister Frank, he's not here. Minister Frank will be here next week. He'll talk about Jonah chapter 4. Um, but all throughout chapter 1 and chapter 2, you see that Jonah didn't really want to do this, right? So Jonah, he's, I, I believe, and if you see in verse 2 and uh, verse 3, so Jonah went to, arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly a great city, three days' journey uh, in breath. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So I believe Jonah, and I have no word to back this up, but it's very brief. Jonah is probably going to Nineveh, not in his heart, not really wanting to do it, right? He's like, oh, I don't really want to do it. And you'll see in chapter 4 that he, he didn't really want to do it. But he goes, and he's probably walking like, man, I don't want to go to the city. They don't, they're not going to like me. They're, they're, they're going to reject me. They're not going to believe anyway. I'm going to talk to these people, and it's going to be a waste of my time. But I'm traveling three days' journey to go do this just to, in, in my act of obedience. So I don't think Jonah was excited. And the reason why I say that because Jonah began, he got to the city, and he called out. He said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So Jonah probably went up to the first person he saw and said, you know, in, in 40 days, y'all going to be overthrown. He didn't go to the king. He didn't go to anybody of authority. He didn't go to anything. He just went to probably somebody on the street and said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be overthrown. But the word spread so far, so fast, right? In, in verse 6, we see the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. So it, it, the words probably started somebody on the street. Jonah probably just did the bare minimum. I'm assuming Jonah just did the bare minimum. Sometimes for us in our walk with God, we probably just do the bare minimum, right? <laughs> and, but what's fascinating, though, is that Jonah, in spite of him doing his bare minimum, the whole city was saved, right? So sometimes God is asking us, just do your part and I will take care of the rest, right? We think, we overthink a lot of things and say, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do it. But God's like, I just don't, I don't need you to take care of the whole situation. I just need you to do your minimal part, right? I just need you to step out in faith and be, and, and your act of obedience can change generations and cities and people for God. Amen. God's not asking you to do everything and to go into your job and yeah. preach down the walls. Right. But you by, <laughs> but by you witnessing or talking to your neighbor or talking to your friend yeah. and being a kind person, and being a generous person can change the lives of many people to come. Um, so your small act of obedience can change generations. Amen. We can end there, but, you know, you know, you know the story. We got an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> so uh, we see that in verse 10, the God's boundless compassion takes center stage. He sees Nineveh's repentance and God withholds impending disaster. Um, in chapter 2 ends with Jonah's affirmation. It says that salvation belongs to, to the Lord. Now we see in chapter 3 
that that truth being materialized as Nineveh turns to the Lord seeking redemption. It's a beautiful picture of how God's orchestrating redemption redemption from brokenness. So the whole story starts with God calling out, wants to save the people of Nineveh from their sin. And he's going through, he's using a, a, a broken man like Jonah to reach the people of Nineveh. God's orchestrating in our lives and in the lives of our family and friends, um, his mercy, extending his mercy, extending his grace for us to partake in his redemption, redemptive plan on this earth. Have you ever misplaced something valuable? Like, for, for example, <clears throat> I think it was my been last year sometime, I lost the remote. Everybody, we all lost the remote to the TV, right? And then you start mistrusting people. Like, you're sitting on the remote. Stand up, stand up, right? Or you're checking the couch. <laughs> you check it everywhere. I probably checked the couch 10 times. Like, I, I don't, how many times can you check the couch? I'm checking around the house, checking the shelves, checking everything, checking it. I'm like, where could this remote, con- remote control be? Couldn't find the remote anywhere. For two weeks, I'm looking for this remote. I'm even, I downloaded a Bluetooth tracker. So, so I'm going around the house trying to find this Bluetooth signal somewhere. I'm like, this has to be, this remote has to be somewhere. Who replaced the kit? Who, who moved the remote? I'm blaming the kids. I'm like, Ian, Adrian, did you remove the remote? Blame my wife. We about to fight. And he's like, how do you touch the remote? I touch the remote. So the next thing, I'm like, I right, forget it. So in two weeks later, I'm cleaning out the car and you have, you know, the little pocket behind the seat. I stick my hand in the pocket and the remote control. How the remote control got, got in the car, I don't know. I'm gonna blame one of the kids, right? <laughs> They're not listening. <laughs> they, 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 in their own world. <laughs> so I'm like, I, how did the remote get in the car? But find the remote was such a sense of relief and gratitude that, all right, I didn't have to purchase another remote. I didn't have to find another, I didn't have to find a different plan, but I found this remote. So that's the, same, that's the same sense of relief that we have when we, um, <clears throat> how God redemption works in our lives. That sense of relief, that sense of peace, that sense of belonging, that I'm finally where I need to be, right? I'm finally in the will of God. I'm finally where, I'm finally experiencing the grace of God. So God is using, uh, God, and God, is, God wants to use us as part of his plan. It just takes obedience. It takes um, us listening to the voice of God. Jonah is not a spiritual hero that we want to emulate. No, I'm not, don't go over here and be like, I want to be like Jonah. Nobody's ever said that. I need to be like Jonah. <laughs> right? So, but the only, the only thing we can take from Jonah is that we want to be in obedience. Our obedience can change the lives of people and change the lives of, of nations. The contrast between Jonah's actions and Jesus' act, Jesus' actions are profound. Um, Jesus is over, overflowing with love, with kindness and mercy, extending it all and beckoning all to come and receive eternal life. Jonah wasn't like that, all right? Jonah preached and he wanted blood to spill. He wanted the people of Nineveh to suffer. Jesus preached and spilled his own blood for all so that some might be saved and all that might be saved. When Jonah condemns Nineveh to destruction, Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jonah wanted wanted swift and severe punishment. Jesus enables the patient and long-suffering of the Father. Where Jonah tells Nineveh the bad news, Jesus declares the good news and lays down his life for 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 his sheep. Where Jonah hates God's forgiveness, Jesus declares, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
So God reveals his patience and relenting grace and relenting love, um, which is not powerless, but God is revealing his, God ultimately reveals his grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. God's story and that doesn't end with Jesus, but God's uh, ex- ultimate example of grace, ultimate example of mercy comes when the shedding of blood of Jesus, when Jesus sacrifices his body on the cross for our sins. Um, and Second Peter says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. So let's ingrain um, in our hearts that as Jonah's journey was one of redemption, so is ours, right? As people that are called into faith, called into, uh, or called into faith and called into the, the, the fellowship of Jesus, our story is a redemptive story. Uh, one way to, re- to, to participate in that redemptive story is forced to be obedient and also to share the good news. We be like Jesus, we share the good news, we allow other people to experience the joy, experience the gratitude, experience the, the peace that we feel, that we feel. God's arm, arms remain open, ready to redeem, renew, and restore. Um, so in, even in, in the story of Jonah, we see that um, jo- God uses Jonah's act of obedience in the moment of despair, um, in his moment of distress. So God was able to turn Jonah's mess in, into his message, right? God was able to take this situation and get, allow Jonah to testify. So even in, in our mess, even in our situations, in our times of despair, God can use those moments to be a minister to be to minister to other people and to bless other people. And one way is to share those share those testimonies, um, to speak of the goodness of God, to show people where God has taken you from, to tell people where the mess the mess that God has brought you out of the despair that God has brought you out of, the needs that God has met for you. Share those, share those good news. Amen. Um, <clears throat> he can turn our failures, failures into stepping stones. Um, he, can turn, he can turn our um, times of distress, our, our missed opportunities into opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen. All by the grace of God. Yeah. So I'm going to end there. Um, Jonah, in this chapter... And it looks like I should just finish reading verse 10. So, and then verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So God, in this chapter, we see that God is beckoning us to embrace redemption and share the incredible narrative of God's unfailing love with the world in need. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your relenting mercy um, that was ultimately ultimately shared by the shedding of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we are walking in your peace, walking in your grace, walking in your love, Lord. And we honor you for the gift that you give us and this time that we spent together. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail 
at P.O. Box 1854, Perth Amboy, New Jersey 08862. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email. The address is partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to his word. Until next time, God bless you.